Thanks for being here. You know, um, I've been saying this a lot lately, and I just mean it from the bottom of my heart. Like, I know you didn't have to be here today. I know that you uh, could have stayed home, and it would have been a lot easier to not get up this morning and get ready and get your kids ready and get here, but you're here. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that, and I just need you to know that the kingdom is grateful for that too. The Father loves that you're here. The Father loves that you have taken time out of your day to be in his presence, to grow in who he is and who he calls you to be as well. So I just, I just can't, can't thank you enough that you're part of my family and that I'm part of your family. This is a good place, isn't it? I'm so grateful. You know, God made this community for us, and so uh, I just, I'm just so grateful that, that I get to be a part of it. So... Um, we're going to move forward this morning in our new series, the Storyteller series. Last week, um, we kind of went through our mission, which is we exist to share our stories with Christ so that others can have their own story with him. And then we shared stories together. And man, last week was a powerful week. Just, I just love being able to hear from you guys what God is doing in your lives. You get to hear a lot what he's doing in my life, but to be able to hear from your side of things and what God is doing, it just, it's just so awesome to get to hear those things. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear that, please go check that out on the podcast, and uh, I promise it'll be powerful for you. Well, moving forward today, we're going into our first core value, which is multiplication. And we have our core values here, and that's multiplication, and, and we believe in multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches, okay? So I'm going to just read um, a passage really quickly here this morning. It's just a short one, and this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. To God. And that last line, the be reconciled to God, is, is not the writer pleading to us. It's what we are meant to plead to others. As ambassadors of Christ, we know who he is. We get to even speak on his behalf. That's what an ambassador is, right? Ambassador to the United States, they go to another country, right? And wherever they set foot, technically, is kind of like U.S. soil, wherever they are. And so they make decisions on behalf of the United States. They make decisions and uh, policies even in those countries on behalf of the United States. And so wherever they are, right, that is the United States. And so for us as ambassadors of Christ, wherever we are, we carry the kingdom of God. Wherever we go, we carry the weight of his kingdom and the authority of his kingdom. That's a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Amen? We carry that with us wherever we go. And so we are meant to plead with others on behalf of this kingdom, on behalf of God, to say, be reconciled to him. Be reconciled to God. Deal with your stuff. Go to him in forgiveness. And you will be reconciled to God so that you can now enter into this amazing new kingdom as well. So we act on behalf of Christ as his ambassadors. He's in us. He speaks through us. But he chooses us to carry his presence and power as well. We are representatives of the kingdom of God. And wherever our feet touch, right, is now part of that kingdom. It's a crazy thing. So sin and brokenness, we know it's, it's created this wedge. The reason that we need multiplication in this world is because sin and brokenness has caused a wedge between us and God. 
And so we are called to be reconcilers, to be wedge removers, right? That's what Jesus did on the cross was he removed that wedge. He made a way, again, for us to be in full relationship with God. And so we who know that, we followers of Jesus who know what it is to be reconciled to God, we cannot keep that to ourselves. And it should actually flow out of us so much, right, that people see us differently. They see our actions and say, you're handling yourself differently than anybody else does. And that's because we are citizens of a different kingdom. We are citizens of a different kingdom. This ministry of reconciliation is a calling to multiplication, to multiply ourselves, to share our stories of reconciliation with Christ so that others can have their own stories of reconciliation with him, okay? So from this, we know we are called to multiply. We're called to multiply. It's not a request. It's a calling that each and every one of us carries. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have given your life to him, then part of that agreement is that we will be multipliers because we are now ambassadors. So we're going to ask today a couple, a couple things. We're going to go over a simple question of what are we called to multiply, okay? So first thing that we're called to multiply is a heart for God. We are called to multiply a heart for God. You know, um, and we know this very easily from, uh, you know, the first and second greatest commandments, right? We know like the Shema that was uh, spoken of in Deuteronomy, right? It's, just, it's the, uh, we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength, right? That's what we're called to do, right? We're charged with that. That is what we're supposed to be doing, to love him with every single thing that we have in us. That is the greatest commandment above all other things, is to love God with everything that we have. We are called as multipliers to cultivate in ourselves first a heart for God. We are called to cultivate a heart for God. And I'll tell you, I think, I think this is the easiest one to accept, it's not necessarily the easiest one to walk out or to understand or to grow in, but I think this one is the easiest to accept as part and parcel of, of what we are as followers of Jesus now. We're probably supposed to love God, right? That's pretty easy in that exchange to understand, okay, yes, I am called to love God, okay? So cultivating that heart for God, one, it should be fairly simple to accept because, again, that's just part of what this is. If we're going to follow Jesus, we probably have to love him, right? So cultivating our heart for God requires also that we discover and share what he loves, right? What he hates, what he's burdened by, and what gives him joy. We talked about that uh, last month, I think, right? That in order to find the heart of God, we have to discover through his word, through his heart for us, right? What he loves, what he hates, what he's burdened by, and what gives him joy. That's what we have to discover for ourselves. And what's amazing is God loves his creation. If we want to know what God loves, he loves his creation. And he's burdened, or he hates, actually, sorry, he loves his creation and he hates the corruption of his creation. So it's as simple as that and it's also profound, as profound as that because that goes so deep, Right? But just on the surface, right, we know if we want to know what God loves, he loves his creation. All of his creation he loves. What does God hate? He hates the corruption of what he loves. He hates the corruption of creation. 
What burdens God's heart then? He is burdened by brokenness and suffering in his creation. That hurts his heart. He's burdened by that. Wherever there is suffering, wherever somebody cries out for him, for justice, he's there. Because our God is burdened by those things for us. And it is his absolute joy. What gives God joy? It's his joy to provide good things to us, to provide restoration to us in what has been broken and corrupted. It is his joy to provide the correction of those things in his son Jesus. It's his joy to be able to do that for us. That's what God loves, what he hates, what he's burdened by, right? And what gives, gives him great joy. You know, and the depths of God's heart is something that we're going to chase after and grow in knowledge until the day we die, right? It's not something that I think, I don't feel like I have, I don't even know what percentage I'm at, but I know I grow constantly in an understanding of who God is, what his heart is for me, for others, right? For this world around me. Like, I have to grow in that all the time. I have not figured that out yet in fullness. I'm farther today than I was last week or last month, but that doesn't mean I'm near where I need to be. The depths of God is so vast. The depths of his heart are so vast and great that it's something that we get to dedicate our lives to exploring those depths. And we'll never master it. And that's an exciting thing because it's a pursuit that we get to go after. We get to, we get to discover new things about who he is every single day of our lives but we'll never know it in fullness. And so sometimes I think we get, we get, um, we stop ourselves from thinking that we can multiply because, well, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about who God is. So how can I possibly tell somebody else about who God is? But the reality is, is that multiplication is simply about sharing with somebody else what you already know. And maybe that's just one step ahead of the person standing in front of you. Church, do you know that God loves you? Church, do you know that God loves you? Church, do you know that Jesus gave his life for you? Yeah, that's enough. Because this world doesn't know that. There are so many people in this world, your loved ones, your family members, your friends, relatives, neighbors, right, co-workers, all those people, they don't know that. So I need to tell you, I need to empower you and encourage you that you know enough to share the heart of God with somebody else. If you can own even those two things, that God loves you and he sent his son to die for you, if you know those two things, that's a pretty incredible life change for somebody else, isn't it? Was it an incredible life change for you when you figured that out? Right? So that's, that life change, that level of life change is what we can provide for others, okay? So church, you are multipliers. You may not feel confident in the fullness, and that's okay. It's okay to say, I don't know, if somebody asks you a question. It's okay to say that. And you can say, I don't know that, but I do know this. I know God loves me, and he loves you. I know God sent his son to die for me, and I know he did the same thing for you. Right? That's enough. That's enough. So we have to own those things, right? We have to be confident in what we do know. So maybe today, again, that's all you know. But you know that that has changed you fundamentally. 
that that knowledge has changed you fundamentally. That peace of the heart of God has changed you forever and it changed your, your eternity. It's changed your tomorrow. It's changed all things for you. Just those two pieces of knowledge that you own has changed all things, right? And so again, that should be enough to go and change others as well. But I know that many of you know a lot more than that. I know that many of you know a lot more of the depths of who God is because you've been walking with him for a long time and you've seen how he works and seen how he moves. And I would wager to say that you've maybe learned, like I have, the hard way of what he doesn't love and what his heart isn't because I've pursued those things far too long in my life as well. And so that gives you a depth of knowledge even, knowing what God's heart isn't is still an understanding of what it is. So I just want us to take a moment and just, I, if you could just close your eyes, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy, but just, I just need you to concentrate for a moment, okay? So I'm just going to ask this question. What do you know? What are the things that you know? Try to just start listing things. What are the things that you know for a fact, right, about the heart of God? Start listening, listing them to yourself. Hmm. We could do that all day, huh? There's so much. You know more than you think you do, don't you? You know more than you think you do. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And he reveals himself. If we ask, he will reveal himself. God, who are you? He runs to that answer. He loves that question he loves to show us who he is. And now I just want you to think in the same, same moment, who in your life needs to know even one piece of that information that you have? Close your eyes again. Who in your life needs to know even one of those things that you just listed? Let the Holy Spirit reveal the faces and the hearts of those he's desperate for, of those he has called you to in the ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors of the kingdom. Multiplication begins when we share our heart for God with others. So we have to know the heart of God, at least a piece, and we have to share it with other people. That's where multiplication begins. Everything flows from a heart for God. You can open your eyes, sorry. Yeah, everything flows out of a heart for God. You guys are all falling asleep on me, it's okay. I'll just, <laughs> it's okay, I just, I'll just think that you're still listing things. It's fine. Man, those guys know so much. Um, but yeah, everything flows out of this heart for God. And so if we love what he loves, right, 
here's, here's a really, really hard piece, and this is a hard piece for me, okay, personally. Something that I'm still not great at, okay? So if everything flows out of a heart for God, right, and if we're called to love what he loves, right, then he loves you. We've acknowledged that. And if we're called to love what he loves, and he loves you, if we're called to love what he loves, right, and he loves you, and he sent his son to die for you, what does that mean, right? Then the next vital piece of what it is to be a multiplier is that we cultivate a biblical heart for ourselves. And guys, I'm terrible at this. This is like the area I'm worst at. And I just want to be honest with you guys. When I was preparing this message, I knew that I had to talk about that. It's really easy. You hear us talk all the time, right, in, at Village Church. You hear us talking about love God, love others, right? Like, the church is really good at saying those things, right? But <laughs> if we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves, then we probably have to love ourselves in there too, right? Like, it's just real easy to overlook that last little part as yourself. It's just, if it just said, love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbor, period. Like, hey, that's easy, right? But man, that last little line changes a lot, doesn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think this one, right, if God's is the most easy for us to accept, this is probably the hardest one to accept. That a part of what we are multiplying is us. A part of what we are multiplying is us. So we've talked about that one of the titles that we wear as followers of Jesus is an ambassador. We are an ambassador of his kingdom, right? Everywhere we go, we represent him. We can speak for him because he is in us and he speaks through us and for us, right? Next, though, we also wear a title of being a steward of God. We are a steward of his creation. It's one of the things given to Adam and Eve in the garden is that they were stewards of that, and that carries into us as well. We are called just good stewardship, right? And, and often, I think, maybe too often, we only think of that as being like with our giving, with our monetary giving, that we need to be good stewards of what God's given us, and that means like, okay, I need to give to the church or give to some other organization or something like that, right? But the reality here is, is that stewardship is not just finances. It's all things. It's all creation. We are called to be stewards of all creation. So a steward in the dictionary is someone who manages or looks after another's property. So, if, so we, right, we are called to be stewards of God's property. And I am God's property. You are God's property. So we are called to be good stewards of ourselves. We're called to love his creation as he loves his creation. And you and I, again, are part of his creation. So we're called to love and care for ourselves. He's asking us to take good care of ourselves as well. And again, that's easily overlooked. And, you know, we try to tell ourselves a lot of things in life like, well, you know, I I was convinced for a long time that, like, the way that worked for me, stewardship, 
didn't involve me and that I was somehow unique in that. And I was just like, God, I'm just going to put my head down and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to do everything I can for you and your kingdom because I don't know how you love me. I don't even know how to accept your love for me. So certainly I can't love myself. I hate myself, if anything. I I thought that for decades of my life, right, that I just loathed who I was. So I was just going to stick my head down, serve him, and try to somehow earn, earn that love. Right? I, was, I somehow tried to earn that love through maybe going above and beyond in my stewardship of others or my stewardship of my devotions or, or my time with him or going to church or serving the church or something like that. Right, And so I would pour myself out in those ways, but I was never getting filled back up. I was just constantly working and working and working and working and trying to just do enough so that God wouldn't be mad at me anymore. (laughs) But it just broke me more. And it just separated me from who he really was more and more. It separated me from the heart of God. Because I was telling God who he was. I was telling God who I was. We don't get to tell God who we are, by the way. I didn't create me. He created me. He's the only one that gets to tell me who I am. And Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favorite passages because it says this, for we are God's handiwork. I'm a songwriter. I love writing songs. It's, a, it's, it's just something that's cathartic for me. It's a stress reliever for me. And, um, and what that word handiwork broken out into is like God's beautiful masterpiece. Beautiful, unique masterpiece. Each one of you is a love song written by God to this world. A unique phrasing. Unique chords, unique song structure. Every one of us is a love song written by God to this world. It's crazy. We've got to accept that if we're going to be who God has asked us to be, if we're going to truly be ambassadors of his kingdom, then we have got to own those things about us. Because if we can't own that, then we can't properly multiply into others either. Other words, we're multiplying out of a place of emptiness. We're multiplying in others brokenness and self-loathing. And we can't do that. I'm terrified to think how long I operated that way and how many people did I unknowingly reproduce that unhealthy aspect of my relationship with God? How often did I unknowingly reproduce an earn it mentality with God's love? A fake it till you make it mentality of my relationship with God. How often did I unknowingly do that? I'm terrified to think of that because I went way too long in my life. I was a pastor still. I was ordained and I was still trying to operate that well, that way, because I just didn't know any other way. And you know what? Like, I'm, I'm telling you that, like, I, the, the message that I took away from my upbringing in the church was that message. I'm not saying that they necessarily spoke that super clearly every Sunday, but that's what I saw. That's what I saw in the leaders in those churches 
is that they were perfect and they were just serving everybody else and they were just giving of their time and it was work, 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 work and there's no breaks for you and time off is a sin and you should never do anything for anybody, for yourself. It's all for other people or it's for the church or whatever, right? I saw that way, way, way too often in the church and when it's people that you're looking to as leaders, then it's like, well, I guess that's the way that it's supposed to be. You got to work yourself sick. And only then can you earn something in the kingdom. Only then will God bless you or something. And that is so wrong. It is so wrong. And again, I'm not trying to blame them because I think that mentality has been going on for a long time. (laughs) Hundreds of years, I would guess. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, actually, probably. The church has been thinking that way for way too long. Way too long. But the reality is, is that we can't earn that love for God. It's given. I didn't have to earn anything from God. His love was and is constant. His love for you is constant and always will be constant. The salvation of Jesus is a free gift. It's free to us. It's not earned. It's not something I have to toil for and hope that I attain someday. Heaven is a promise because of Jesus' sacrifice, not mine. Heaven is a promise because of Jesus' sacrifice for me, not my sacrifice for him. You know... um, What's difficult about self-care and the reason I think that we have gone so far in the other direction of it is that worldly, the worldly version of self-care and self-love is, is like way bad. You know, like, like if you look at the definition of the world's version of self-care and self-love, it's often things like, hey, do whatever makes you feel good. You know, like don't care about the consequences or whatever. Like it's your life. You know, you only live once. Like hey, it's fine, you know, like, no big deal, right? Do you know what, uh, what religion says that? Satanism. Do whatever makes you feel good. And the world has adopted way more of that way of doing things, right, than it has a biblical way of cultivating a heart for yourself. So in order to make sure that we cultivate that heart for ourselves, right, is to, one, know who God says I am. Loving God and loving what he loves. God, who do you say that I am? I'm your beloved. I'm your child. You're proud of me. You have good things for me. You believe in me. You've given me everything. Every good and perfect gift is from you. You are strong where I am weak. You are so great where I am small. You are all things to me. And he calls me worthy of that. He calls me worthy of all those promises because he created me. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows the number of hairs on my head. Nobody else knows that stuff. Nobody did that. Nobody else could do that. Only he was able to do that. He wouldn't just abandon that. 
He wouldn't twist that. I'm the one who's twisted it. This world is what has twisted that in my head. And so self-care, self-love today has to be reflected in the same way that Jesus modeled it today for us. A biblical version of self-care has got to be exactly what Jesus modeled for us. And I'm going to break this down very simply. He practiced self-care, right, out of what he knew God had set up, right? He clung to God. He knew God. He knew his Father's will, right? And he built, first thing that he did, he built a community for himself. Man, we missed that one, right? And we think it was just Jesus, like, I'm going to go and serve these these people, so I'm going to call them my disciples, and I'm going to only be their teacher, and I'm only going to, you know, it's a different kind of relationship. Like, we think, like, Jesus didn't need them. But he called them for a purpose, and he sent them out. He, he showed them, right, who he was and what his will was. But very early on in their time with them, he sent them out because he needed them to go be his hands and feet. He sent them out as ambassadors of his name. They were ambassadors of Christ early on. And so they were co-workers with him, co-toilers with him, co-lovers of the people, co-lovers of God with him. He got away with them. He rested with them. He ate with them. At times, they were his protection. And they were his friends. They were his friends. He joked with them. He hung out with them. If you haven't watched The Chosen, you have to check out The Chosen. It's an awesome show, and it just shows what those relationships were really like. Too often we think of it as just like this, like, <laughs> robots going around doing things. In the Bible, like, I grew up just thinking, like, Jesus was not a human, pretty much. Like, he wasn't a person, and he didn't need those same things. But, like, things like the Chosen are so good that we live in that day, this day and age where we get to see, actually, how he probably really re- interacted with his disciples. He joked with them. He loved them. He hugged them. He held them. He cried with them. He leaned on them at times. When he was tired, they protected him. When he had to rest, they took care of other things. There was a lot of work to be done, and he wasn't going to be able to do it on his own, so he called a community together. He built a community around himself. If Jesus did that, don't you think we have to? If Jesus did that for himself, don't you think that we have to do that same thing? We don't have church and we don't have tribe groups for no reason. It's because we need community. We're created for it, and it is created for us. It is a gift from Jesus to us. His church is the greatest instrument, right, of the gospel for this world, but it's also an incredible instrument for his believers, for his followers. It's for us too. That gathering place, the camaraderie that comes from it, the safety of being able to lean in and learn together. So first thing he did, Jesus built a community for himself. Next, he practiced gratitude. Jesus constantly practiced gratitude. He gave thanks at every turn to his father. 
He was so grateful and he showed others that gratitude. He built a community for himself. He practiced gratitude regularly. What if, oof, this is hard for me to even say, what if every day in my prayers I thanked God that he made me me? <laughs> I don't even know if I can utter that out right now, you know? But like, if I'm thankful for all things, if I'm thankful for the creation, every good and perfect gift that he's given, I am one of his good and perfect gifts. And, and not to say that in like a prideful way, right? It's not in any way when I try to say that. But to say, God, thank you that you've given me the gifts and abilities you have. Thank you that I get to be me. Thank you that you've asked me to be me. Thank you that you've created me. Thank you that you've given me the things around me. Thank you that you've given me the friends and the family and the community. Thank you that you've given me the purpose that I have, the calling that you've given me. Thank you for believing me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for all those things, right? If you started your day every single day like that, don't you think things would change? We are inundated with negativity, with fear, with condemnation, with doubt in this world. And we combat it best with gratitude. Because it aligns us with the reality of things. It aligns us with the heart of God. So, built a community around himself, practiced gratitude. He rested and he ate. He had regular rest patterns and he ate. It's way too often in my day where I'm like, it's like 2.30, 3 o'clock, and I'm like, I haven't eaten anything today. Because I've just completely forgotten about that in my day. I have zero routine when it comes to that, right? So then I end up like eating way too much for lunch, and then I'm like full, and then like uh, when supper time comes or whatever, like I have supper with my family and I'm not hungry and I eat a little bit then and then I end up eating at like 10 o'clock at night because that's when I actually am hungry. And then I wake up the next morning and then I don't eat again until 2.30 because maybe I'm not hungry until then and it starts the whole thing over and over again. And my routine, routine is shot and I'm sick to my stomach and I can't sleep at night because I have a stomach ache because I ate like 30 minutes before I tried to go to bed, right? It's a bad thing. It's not, a good, it's not a good thing. It's not a good idea, right? And I can say, boy, well, you know, I was just too busy today to eat. Like, that's ridiculous. That's not a thing to be proud of, right? Jesus took time to eat and rest. And sometimes we make excuses even around that time to eat, right? That's why, like, we, when we break bread and we have that meal, it's good to say a prayer, it's good to say a prayer of gratitude beforehand. It aligns us in that moment. Hey, I'm going to take a pause in my day, Father, to be with you. So let's not multitask. Let's close the computer. Let's put our phone down and let's eat. Let's look at the person sitting across from us. Enjoy that moment that God's given us with that person. And let's eat. And let's rest. Make regular rhythms of rest. Realize when you need rest and put other things off. Somebody had to call that in, out in me this last week. I had an appointment set up to, for me to meet with uh, a counselor, essentially, and it took me a month to get that on the calendar. I had to wait a whole month because there was zero other time in my whole schedule. And he's like, yeah, do you know you're terrible at taking care of yourself because it took you a month to do something for you? And you fill it with 
other things, right? But it took you a month to do something finally for you. That's not something to be proud of. That's just not something to brag about. Jesus loves us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to find us in our rest. He wants to find us in our rhythms. It's important. He modeled it, right? If he did it, we probably need to do it too. And of course, he spent one-on-one time with the Father, his source of all things. He spent one-on-one time with the Father. He filled that well. He poured himself out all the time, but he was consistent in going back to the Father and being filled up again with the Father's love, the Father's care, with his goodness, with his purpose, with his gifts, all those things, right? We can feel when we're getting depleted. And if we offer, operate for, for too long in, in being completely empty like that, then we're going to burn out. We're going to burn out. And things around us will start to crash and burn. And we'll develop sicknesses and stress and panic attacks and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. We'll hit depression. All those things often is because we're burning a candle at, two, at both ends, right? It's bad. It's not a good thing for us. So we need to do the opposite. Self-care. Rest. Spend time with your father. Okay, I'm wrapping up here. The last thing, of course, is that we have to cultivate a heart for others. But the reason those other two things are first is that the best place that we can be in when we operate in, out of a heart for others is to know God's heart, to know God's heart for us, and then we can reproduce those things in other people. Okay? We know God's heart, we know his heart for us, and then we can reproduce that in other people so that they can develop their own heart for God but they need to know who they are too. Jesus died for them, not because they're these awful people that he hated. <laughs> God died for them because they're his creation and he loves them and he's broken that they're broken. And it gives him joy to provide those things for us. And so the last thing, we're, we're ambassadors, we're stewards. And the last thing that I want to talk about today as titles that we have to wear as multipliers is that we are witnesses. And that, that's why we call ourselves storytellers. It's the same thing. We share our stories with Christ. We are witness to who he is. We share that with others so that they can have a story and be a witness and a steward and an ambassador as well. You've heard us talk so much about loving others. And so I'm not going to spend much time on that today. Because we know that's what we're called to. The Great Commission says that, right? And in Acts 1.8, uh, similar to the Great Commission, right? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we have this, this promise that we will be given everything we need to do this task, right? And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. So we are his witnesses. And we have to live that way. Today we're going to be doing communion. And so, um, you know, instead of trying to shift gears and just like, Uh, you know, have this transition into communion time, I want us to continue to think about who we are in Christ and who he's called us to be as ambassadors, as stewards, as witnesses, multipliers, storytellers. That's who we are. And Jesus died for us so that we could even have those titles, so that we could do those things. He modeled it first for us 
He's given us the ability and the power and the mantle to do that now for others. And so as they pass out the elements, or actually, no, you're not passing it out. You're going to come forward. I got that. I figured it out. So as you come forward, right, uh, we're going to go into a time of worship after this. And as you come forward and you're going to get that, that, uh, that little package, right, and there's a cracker in there that represents his body and his blood. And I want you to think through, Jesus, you died, yes, for me. And I want to be more like you. But being more like you means that I need to step into who you've created me to be and called me to be. When we talk about the body of Christ, we talk about the church. We talk about his hands and feet. We talk about his heart. We talk about his voice, his eyes to see. We talk about that we are all parts. We are members of one body. And today, as we take that bread, we're saying, Jesus, make me more like you. But we're also saying, Jesus, I want to step into the purpose you have for me. You created me to be a piece of this body, of your body, of your purpose. And I want to step into that. So as you take that and you eat that this morning, I want you to own that. Open yourself up to that. And as you drink that juice, I want you to own that he's given you and died to give you the power to be able to do that. That blood shed on the cross made all of this possible. And that is our incredible reminder of what he's done for us. And we take that same power that rose Jesus from the grave, right? And we accept that in us because it's already been given. And so we accept that in ourselves. We say, God, I want to move forward. Jesus, I want to move forward in your purpose and your power. So as we take communion today, I want, we, I want us to think in those terms today. It's a little different than maybe we, dif- we typically do. But I want us to think, I'm taking on your purpose and your power. Communion isn't something that you have to be a member of Village Church for. It's just something that you need to have a relationship with Jesus about. And Paul warns us in uh, 2 Corinthians that we have to make sure that there's nothing in us that's hindering us. There's no bitterness. There's no sin in us. So as we sing this first song, if you need to take some time, right, um, we'll have... uh, They'll be standing up here um, with the elements uh, through the first song. So if you need to take some time, half the song, to just surrender some things to Jesus, to ask for forgiveness, right, of him, to, to make things right with him, then take the time and do that. And then come up and receive the elements. Okay? I'm going to pray for us as we prepare for that. Jesus, thank you that you have called us. Thank you that you have made a way. We thank you that someone else took it upon themselves to show us who you are. Someone multiplied themselves into us in our lives at some point. So we just acknowledge that and we're so grateful for that. And we want to do that for others, though. We want to do that 
for others, Father. Help us to cultivate a heart for you. Show us who you are. Help us to cultivate a heart for ourselves. Show us who you created us to be. Show us who we are. Help us to cultivate a heart for others so that they can find out the same things. Your love is the greatest thing in this universe. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to multiply that love over and over and over and over and over again until this world is a full expression of that love. God, forgive us, because right now it isn't. There's so much brokenness, so much hatred in this world, so much division. Help us be the antidote to those things. Help us to love where there is hate, to sow seeds of unity where there is division. To show people your heart. As we prepare for by taking the elements,